Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Shut him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, September 20th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, it, it is good to be back with you. Great job last week with Ray Dininger and Fred Hugo. And yes, Fred, I caught the Andy Reid comment. We'll discuss that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, great to have you back, Bill Furman, a few days post-birthday, so I hope that was fun. I know you were a little busy the early part of last week, of course, and I do want to talk with you about that at some point this hour as well. But again, welcome back. Well, it's good to be back, and uh, yeah, it was quite an event, and uh, fortunately, most uh, most people have their power back on now, finally, uh, but it, it has been something that... Uh, Hopefully we'll get to talk about a little bit later on as we go. But, uh, hey, Jet, we're going to do things a little different today uh, since our special guest, former Philadelphia Eagles and Philadelphia Stars tight end Ken Dunnick, will be joining us about 7.30. So we're going to talk some Philly sports ourselves. We'll have Fred Hugo talking fantasy football in the first half of the show tonight as well. Yeah, good to mix things up a bit once in a while. Keeps us on our toes. Yes, it does. But you know what? It's all good, and uh, there's an awful lot to talk about in the Philadelphia sports scene. And, Chet, the Eagles went out to Kansas City to face a very good Chiefs team, and and neither of us circled that as a win at the start of this season. And What do you think of the way the Birds played? And are you on that Doug Peterson's a bum bandwagon with many others this week? (laughs) I am not. Clearly, he's not going to be mentioned in the top-tier coaches in the league at this point. But as you noted, even with some questionable play calling and the ridiculous pass-run ratio, which we'll discuss, the Birds are 1-1 one and one and played one of the best teams in the AFC in a difficult stadium to play in, very tough. So, no, I have a little more patience than some folks do, but we do have to discuss those numbers. 56 pass plays called versus 13 rushes by running backs. Still scratching my head about all that. Well, you know, I think uh, we've been beating this around on the social media circuit, and I I think, uh, you know, it's one of those deals. Certainly everybody wants to run the football. That's the key. Running the ball and playing defense is the key to winning games, even in today's NFL that is pass happy. But you can't run into a brick wall, and if it's not working, you got to do something else. And I think uh, that's kind of what they were trying to do and not very successfully. Okay, but see, I'm going to dispute that they didn't do it very well. 13 rushes by running backs. Darren Sproles had 10 carries for 48 yards. That's 4.8 yards a crack. That's not bad. Wendell Smallwood had three carries. That's all he got. One of those, he gained eight yards. Yeah, the other two, he lost uh, a yard or two each time. But still, you know, an eight-yard gain, the, the Chiefs stuck with Kareem Hunt. He had eight carries for nine yards, then he broke one for 53 yards or whatever you got to go more than 13 rushing attempts. You know, you're going to get something good at some point, but they just didn't stick with it, even in a tight game. Uh, well, you know what? I, I knew you were going to go there. Um, and, you know, averages are just that, you know. Um, it, it's like if you put one foot in a pot of boiling water and one foot in a bucket of ice water, on the average, you should feel pretty good. But uh, it don't work that way. So I, I think averages are, aren't really what they're meant to be, and they can be misled by a big gainer that looks like it's something more than it really was. And, 
you know, I think if you watch that thing close and you looked at a lot of the, the film afterwards, and I actually was able to dig up a, a handful of them, posted them of, of blocks that were just not being made. And, you know, it, it just, there was nowhere really to run. And, and what are you going to do? They're, they were trying to find some way to, to win the game. And I think if you keep getting those, you know, you always say you don't want to play behind the chains. Well, if you're playing it second and eight, third and 11, you're not going to win then either. I don't know. I just think they got to stick with it and, you know, work something out. And yeah, Doug, like Andy would always say, has got to do a better job at that. And uh, let's see if that happens in week three. But I mean, look, you and I had as many carries as Corey Clement did last week. You and I had as many as LeGarrette Blunt. There was one that uh, he had a carry and it was uh, nullified by a penalty. You know, where are these guys? I mean, maybe Blunt's not what we thought he might be, but you got to find out, you know, give him a few carries, give Clement a shot. I want to see what these guys can do. Well, my, my biggest disappointment isn't in running the ball or not running the ball. My biggest disappointment is that the offensive line has been a, a, a exploited, exposed. Uh, they didn't do a good job in pass blocking either. And so not only did they not run, they didn't pass block either. They didn't screen block either. You know, they were trying to – one of the main keys of the West Coast offense is that the screen game is is almost like the run game. And they couldn't even run successful screens without him having to throw the ball in the ground because they couldn't block anybody. Now, let's let's give the Chiefs their due. They're an awful good football team and an awful good defense. So certainly they're responsible for some of it. But I was just disappointed in the total line play, even more than the pass run ratio. He didn't have time to throw the ball even when he was back trying to throw it. Yeah, it's a definite concern. And those, uh, you know, one publication that ranked them the best offensive line in football, that's looking kind of silly right now. Uh, I understand there may be a change coming this week. We may see Chance Wormack at a start at left guard. He was inactive in week two. And, you know, he may get a shot this week with Sayamalo going to the bench. So we'll see if that comes to play. Yeah, it looked like uh, it looked like that did take place today in practice. I don't know if that's a final decision. But uh, it looks like Warmack was working with the first group. And uh, certainly from what I got to see and, and the, the extra film I got to see on, on uh, Salomolo, he was, he was awful. And, you know, yeah. that, that's, a hard, that's a hard thing to swallow. But he, he was just not very good, and his feet were not very good. And he's exposed right now. And making a move there is probably a good decision. Yeah, I think Samalo was responsible for three or four of the sacks. So, yeah, it probably is a wise move. Yeah, and, and he's uh, he's the this particular screen that I'm talking about. He was the one that blew that up, too, by, by not blocking. So he had a rough day. He had a rough day opening opening day, too. They, they won, and it kind of got tucked away a little bit. But uh, he didn't play well in game one either. But, you know, I think this is a different situation coming up against the Giants. I think the Eagles' game plan will certainly be to run the football uh, against a Giants defense that is not very good, and uh, you ought to be able to to run right at them and, and make some things happen. And, and believe me, Doug Peterson is not going to run the ball because the fans want him to. He's going to run the ball because he thinks it gives them the best chance to win. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, he's got to give it more of a shot this week for sure, and the Giants aren't looking real good right now. Uh, We'll get to our picks a little bit later on in this half hour, but certainly a winnable game for the Eagles, and it's their home opener, so we want to see them come out and play a whole lot better than they did this past Sunday. They didn't play terribly in Kansas City, but we know they can do a lot better in terms of, you know, the offensive line play and the two turnovers, which were killers. Oh, absolutely. But, hey, let's not overlook the defense. Let's talk some about that. I, I think the defense played really well. Uh, they they held the rope as long as they could, hoping to get something from the offense. Finally ended up giving up a couple big plays there towards the end. But I think the uh, the defense played extremely well against that good Kansas City team. Yeah, they did. They played real well. They got a lot of pressure on Smith. Um, and they're going to do that against the Giants, too, because the Giants' O-line is probably their weakest part of the team. Um, Yeah, the defense looked really good, and the one bad play that stands out in the mind, of course, was Vinnie Curry missing a tackle, which could have been a big loss, 
a big sack on Alex Smith, ended up getting them uh, some points when he escaped. So uh, that was the one negative. But, uh, yeah, I was very impressed with the pressure from the, the front four and the linebacker, linebackers played well. Michael Kendricks, uh, his preseason wasn't, uh, you know, a joke. He was actually very impressive on the field on Sunday in Kansas City. Yeah, he, he played well, and uh, as did the other linebackers. Actually, I thought they all played well. As you said, there was, you know, there were certainly a few missed tackles along the way, but I thought they did a nice job, and uh, Tyree Hill didn't hurt them in any way, um, which I know you and Ray talked about uh, quite a bit last week, that, yep. you know, there was a concern about that guy, and, uh, shoot, he, he was handled well. He was, and, you know, the, also the birds had to – deal with a couple of injuries in the secondary and Rasul Douglas got to play and actually did pretty well. He broke up a couple of passes, I believe, and did not look scared to be out there. So that was a good sign. Yeah. And of course you, you can't talk about that game without talking about stinking kickers. <laughs> <laughs> I was sending yep. out Missed text messages wondering where Tony Franklin might be because Tony's probably about 55 or 60 years old and I got to think he could still kick uh, kick a field goal with one second to go in the half after you just got a huge break to bring you back in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that play that uh, Ertz caught the ball, which was, you know, dumb luck if nothing else, and then gets down to the two- or three-yard line, and they miss a chip shot field goal. That definitely hurt. Those three points would have come in handy for sure. Well, and if nothing else, it's a stinger right there at the half. You, you got you You got lucky. You know, you got a situation where you're going to steal three points off of that defense and uh, and keep yourself in the game, and and you turn around and leave it on the field. Uh, and and actually, I'm surprised they haven't made a move there. But now, by the end of Wednesday, they're certainly not not going to, if they haven't done it already. No, no, it's going to be this guy. You know, probably for the duration until Sturgis gets back, unless he has a horrible game this Sunday. Right. And and one last player I wanted to point out, Chet, to you, I thought Tim Jernigan was a beast. I thought he played, and and Fletcher Cox, but Tim Jernigan I thought was really good in the middle of that uh, defensive line. Yeah, Jernigan was excellent. Cox was good, as you mentioned. Brandon Graham had a good game. Brandon Graham looking like the real deal. And we also didn't mention Jordan Hicks, a linebacker, who had another real good game. So, yeah, I can't fault anybody in the front seven other than that one missed tackle by Curry. One one final thought for you I want to get from you uh, regarding uh, the Eagles. And you, do you think they're just fueling the fire here with uh, in the newspapers and all that with uh, the, the Jim Schwartz is breathing down Doug Peterson's neck? I, I, I kind of find that funny. Yeah, I don't think that's the real deal. I mean, Jeff McClain wrote that piece a week and a half ago. I guess it was in the Sunday paper also uh, last week. But – it doesn't make any sense. I mean, even if Schwartz wanted to be the head coach, do you think going about it this way is going to get him the job? I don't because, you know, people are going to be aware of it, and he's going to come off looking like, a, you know, a Chip Kelly kind of guy who wants all the power and is not a good guy. I don't think it's the right way to go about it. And I don't think he would do that even if he is, you know, the kind of guy who wants that attention and who wants to be the take-charge guy. He's not going to get a job with the Eagles doing it that way. So there may be something to it, but I really can't believe that that's his motive right there. No, me neither. And I think uh, I kind of looked at it when I first saw it, uh, you know, as a, as a clickbait type of article. Uh, but then it kind of grew some legs around town, and it kept being talked about in, in different places. And I thought – this is just kind of crazy, and uh, you know, there's to me, there's just not really much to it. If Peterson's getting fired, not only is it going to be because they they've lost games, but it's probably because they gave up too many points. So I just don't see that being, uh, you know, unless he were to fill in for a couple of games at the end of a season or something like that. I just don't see much of it. Yeah, and you know, we thought uh, the NFC East was going to be a really great division uh, this summer. Now it's looking like it might not be all that great because all the teams look to have some flaws, and I I think the division is up for the taking, certainly for the Eagles. So 
I just had a feeling all along that Dallas was going to have a little bit of a down year. And, boy, they did not look good against Denver Sunday night, that's for sure. And we know the Giants aren't real good. The Redskins have their own problems. So the division's there for the taking if the Eagles can get their act together. Yeah, well, and I think the other thing we have to talk about or or think about is it's early in the year. Um, You know, these teams are all getting out of the starting gates really slow. Matter of fact, the games are just not very good. Uh, to begin with, certainly I think they're going to get better. They're, most of these starters are actually playing their preseason now because most of them didn't play during the preseason. So yeah, I expect yeah. that, that everything is going to get better as it goes. But I'm with you. I mean, there's no reason to think the Eagles can't win this division. Uh, but I thought that beforehand, too. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. you got to win the games, and uh, it'll start with the Giants come, come Sunday. need to get one. Yep, and we're going to talk more about that with Ken Dunnick when he joins us, uh, probably in about uh, 15 minutes from now. But how about a little baseball talk? Yeah, well, you know what, Chad? We're going to make an unofficial rule here at Philly Press Box Radio that we can't have a show without mentioning Reese Hoskins. How's that? (laughs) Well, he's certainly been giving us something to talk about every week since his early August call-up, Bill. I mean, no home runs the last four games or so, but still a number of terrific at-bats, two huge hits Tuesday night, including a bases-loaded three-run double that gave the Phils a win over the best team in the league for a second straight night. 43 runs batted in in 39 games for Hoskins. The kid is just unbelievable, and he looks like he's built for long-term success. I know you're enjoying watching him. Well, I certainly am, and uh, how can you not be? Uh, and because, and, and I'm going to actually talk about this a little bit later on uh, in the show on my parting shot, but, you know, the thing about what he has done so far, besides putting fans in the seats, uh, the players around him are playing better. And I think that's that's being hidden a little bit just with the fact that somebody like Mikel Franco has raised their average 10 points since Hoskins came up. That's not an accident. You know, the pressure is off Franco. Nobody even knows he's doing it, probably, unless you're really following close every day. Um, but he's going from a 220 hitter to a 232 hitter very quietly. And, and you know, you're still getting good play from uh, from Nick Williams. You're getting good play from the catchers now. Uh, they're, they're contributing. I mean, a lot has happened, and it all is centering around what this guy has brought to the team. Oh, yeah, and that final at-bat where he got the bases loaded triple or doubles to knock in the three runs, it was a 10-pitch at-bat, and he's just so patient, so disciplined up there. He had four at-bats in the game, 30 pitches he saw over four at-bats. That's pretty impressive. Well, I mean, that's, that's veteran, you know, veteran stuff that guys that have been in the league 10 years can do. That's not a guy that's played 39 games doing that stuff. And, uh, you know, that – that that's that's big deal. Yeah, and uh, the Phils are 31 and 33 since the All Star break. Now, so they're looking like a real competitive team right now. The opposing teams have been certainly impressed. I mean, a lot of the skippers and other players have mentioned that, and we're getting some great performances from Aranola. They just got to get some more pitching around him next year because I like the lineup. Otherwise, I think they they can do some damage and. They can compete next year. I know that's crazy, but they can compete, I think, for a wild card spot at the very least if they sign a veteran pitcher and if maybe one of the other pitchers on the team can develop. Well, I think we have to see. You know, we have to see because, you know, you can't get too crazy, even though he's made you crazy. You can't get too crazy about Hoskins until he gets around the league a couple times. Everybody gets to see him. Uh, and, and you got to remember, they're seeing a bit of September pitching, too, which is, you know, some of that's minor league pitching. Guys trying to get up. So, so I think we got to keep it all a little bit in perspective, but but certainly these guys that have come up have done a great job, and, and they're, you know, certainly have been fun to watch. But, but hey, I wanted to, you know, that Alan Altair is not one of my, definitely my favorite guys, but how about him taking that Clayton Kershaw <laughs> deep for a grand slam to win the game the other night. I was watching, and boy, did he get a hold of that one. That was one of those, you know, off the bat, you can hear it, you can see it, you knew that was gone right away. Boy, he crushed it. And, yeah, first grand slam given up by Clayton Kershaw, which is hard to believe, and Altair did not miss that in the least. 
boy, it was fun, and he did mash it. Like like you said, I was watching it as well, and I was like, holy cow. And and even Kershaw was on the mound. You you could tell he was thinking bad things. <laughs> but it was good, and, and it led the Phils to a win. So uh, good for Altair, and uh, good for Kershaw, too. He needed that. Yep, and uh, we got, what, 10 games left in the season now after uh, this one, and the Phils only have to win, I guess, three to avoid 100 losses. So it looked like a sure 100-loss season just a, a few weeks back, and now all of a sudden uh, they're not going to lose 100, barring something catastrophic over the next week and a half. So that's good. All right. Well, hey, Chet, it's that time. It is, it is. Let me get the music for that guy, because I think he's on the line, so I've got to get him a proper welcome. Here we go. So, Chet, it's time to welcome our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to the show. Fred, welcome back. And uh, first thing I'm going to ask you, if there's any big surprises this past week in fantasy football, but before we get to that, let's talk about the little Andy Reid quip last week about <laughs> Bill won't go against Andy Reid. Uh, was there any reason after the game for Bill not to have gone against Andy Reid? I didn't go against him either. I, I was just kidding around with you, you know. That's your guy. Yeah. You love him. <laughs> you just, did, you just didn't know I was going to listen to the show. No, I knew you were. That's why I said it. <laughs> uh, well, hey, any big surprises this past week in fantasy football? What? Uh, who? Who took off? Not really any 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 surprise surprises. I mean, uh, everyone pretty much had in um, in in Cleveland. The uh, the Browns actually the, their number one receiver Corey Coleman went went down, and a fifth round pick filled in and scored two touchdowns. Um, why is his name escaping me right now? Higgins. And uh, he did pretty well. Other than that, it was pretty much status status quo. Chris Carson uh, was a waiver wire pickup that I had had said that you could possibly grab. He and he he had 93 yards and a touchdown, um, or 21 touches for 100 yards. Javoris Allen he he did well had um, 100 and some total yards and a touchdown for the uh, Ravens. Uh, and I was pretty on point with my um, start one sit ones as well. I think. Um, I'm pretty uh, pretty darn close to. I would say 11 out of the 12 was was correct. The only one I I kind of got wrong was the Eagles kicker Jake Elliott. Um, even though he missed a field goal, he did score eight points total. So all in all, for for me, it was a pretty good week. Well, Fred, we're going to turn you loose right now because we want to get to your uh, picks on uh, NFC East games as well. So you just take it away now, Fred, and give us your you know sit one, play one, and tell us. Who's good to go this week and what you would do? All right. So I'm going to start at the quarterback position. And this guy's been really been struggling since they went to the Super Bowl. But um, Cam Newton is going to be my start of the week for uh, the quarterback position. He's at home. He's had two okay games. And he's facing a, a bad Saints defense that gives up a lot of points to the quarterback and a lot of yards. So I think Cam Newton will have a good week. My sit at the quarterback position is going to be Marcus Mariota. He's not had a, a great year so far. I, I expect that to turn around. He's been pretty average, but he's going up against a, a good Seahawks defense that pretty much shuts down any quarterback that, that comes in their in their path. You know, even the, even with the with the Packers beating them in Week One, Aaron Rodgers didn't didn't have the greatest of games um, against them until late, really. So that's for quarterbacks. At the running back position, my uh, start one will be Jay Ajahi, the halfback for the Miami Dolphins. He's matched up against uh, – he's a good running back to begin with, so he's a top ten running back in general in fantasy. But the matchup's great for him as he's facing a, a Jets defense that just gives up a ton of yards to the run. Last week I chose Mar- Marshawn Lynch, who, yeah, ironically was playing the Jets as well. He had – 50 yards and a touchdown, but his backup even went for, for I believe, like 85, Jalen Richard. So that's definitely a start, Jay Ajahi against the Jets. Um, my sit at the running back position would be LaShawn McCoy, who has the ability to, to, to get past the Denver defense, but they're facing Denver. They're, they're a 
very good run-stopping defense. And I just don't see Buffalo doesn't have the weapons around uh, McCoy to to go elsewhere. So they're going to focus in, probably put 10 and, um, unless Tyrod Taylor can connect to whoever his receivers are. I, I don't see anything happening there. So sit LaShawn McCoy uh, at the wide receiver position. <clears throat> I would start DeAndre Hopkins um, at the quarterback. He doesn't really have a quarterback right now. Deshaun Watson's developing, but the Patriots um, pass defense has given up so many points to both the Chiefs and the Saints back-to-back weeks. So I think this is a good matchup for Hopkins to to get 100 yards and, and maybe a touchdown. And then on the sit side of that, I would sit Demarius Thomas. So though the Bills' offense has struggled, their defense has played well, and um, they've shut down the opposing receivers weekly. So I would sit down. I would sit Demarius Thomas. At the hmm. tight end position, I would go ahead and start um, Zach Ertz, who's been having a great year so far in general. But on top of that, he's playing a Giants defense that's been giving up a ton of yards and touchdowns to the tight end. It's a great matchup for Ertz again. The Eagles in general probably will roll in that game. So I would start Zach Ertz. And if there's someone I'm going to sit, it's going to be Jimmy Graham from the uh, Seattle Seahawks. He's facing the Titans who have shut down um, tight ends every every week so far. Um, as far as defenses go, they're really hit or miss, but a really good matchup that I like is the Eagles defense this week. They're facing the Giants' offensive line. Is I, I can't even believe how bad it is, to be honest with you. Watching them on Monday night, it's it's horrendous. And with the Eagles' defensive line, I, I think they could – I mean, I, I'm exaggerating, I guess, but they could set the NFL sack record this week. They, there's – they're going to have pressure on Eli. There's going to be turnovers galore. I really think the Eagles are a great, great start for maybe even 20 points this week against the Giants. And then the Panthers' defense would be the defense I would sit. They're facing the Saints, and the Saints just, no matter who they're matched up against, seem to put up points. So the Panthers' D, I would sit the Panthers' D. And then kicker, like I said in every week, really, is I just kind of try to find a game where I think they'll be high scoring. So I said let's take the – um, Panthers kicker Graham Gano against the Saints. That should be a high-scoring game. He should put up eight to ten points. And the kicker I would sit is the Giants kicker Aldrich Rosas versus the Eagles. The Giants they can't even move the football at all. It, it, they don't even get field goals, let alone touchdowns. It'll be in Philly with the crowd. It'll probably be going nuts. Home opener. I can see him him going one for two with field goal attempts. Maybe a missed extra point if they even get in the end zone. So that's my uh, start one, sit one for this week. All right. Good luck. Very interesting. Very interesting. Good luck. All right. Hey, Fred, before we finish up, let's get our picks in. And, Chet, how did we do last week? Well, let's see. Last week, Fred was a perfect 3-0 and in the Sunday NFC East games, but then he lost with the Giants Monday night. So he was 3-1. and Bill, you and I had the exact same picks uh, you and I did. Uh, so we both went two and two for the weekend. We were correct enough, though, to pick uh, Detroit to beat the Giants, smart enough, rather. Um, but we thought Dallas would beat Denver. Did not look too smart there. We also thought Washington would beat the Rams, and that didn't pan out. So two and two for you and me, Bill. All right. Okay, uh, Fred, let's get this thing rolling real fast. Redskins at Raiders. Line is Oakland minus three. Then Dallas. At Arizona, Dallas is minus three. And last, the Giants at the Eagles. Eagles minus six. Go ahead, Fred. Hit them. Uh, the uh, Ra- Raiders, Washington. What did you say that spread was? Minus three. I got to go to the Raiders all day here. Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Marshawn Lynch, the Redskins. They're okay. And it just looks like Kirk Cousins doesn't really know what's going on with that offense. So, I, I, don't, I don't know why there's so much of a setback there. But I'm going to take the Raiders. By uh, uh, probably by a touchdown, and then uh, what do we got? Dallas, Dallas against Arizona. Dallas and at Arizona. Arizona. Dallas minus three. Cow- Cowboys will re- definitely rebound this week against the Cardinals. They just don't look good at all. They're looking old. Carson Palmer's looking old. Larry Fitzgerald's looking old. So I think Dallas rebounds. They'll be they'll be good enough to to beat Arizona. The spread is small though. At minus three tells me that Arizona might have have a shot there, um, but. But, yeah, I'm going to go Dallas. And then the Eagles, I hope I'm not jinxing the man, but I, I don't see any way. I picked I picked the Giants in the beginning of this season to 
to win the division, which I, is going to be totally wrong. And I just that I, I just don't see how the Eagles can lose this. If they lose this, it would be ridiculous. So I think the Eagles win in a, in a romp, probably something like thirty-five to ten, thirty-five seventeen. Mm. All right. For me, the, okay. the Raiders are for real. Very good quarterback, high-powered offense. They certainly won't be intimidated by coming east to play at FedEx Field. The Raiders win that one easily over the Redskins, in my opinion. The Monday night game, Dallas at Arizona. Yeah, the spread's just three, so that's uh, intriguing. The Cowboys are favored, but they and they also have played pretty well on the road the last couple of years. However, like I said, I think Dallas is going to lose some games that they should win this year, and this is going to be one of them. Maybe I'm picking with my heart here. I don't know, but I'm taking the Cardinals in a tight one. Wishful thinking, perhaps, but go Cards. And Sunday at 1 o'clock, the Giants and Eagles. Eagles favored by six. The Giants' D isn't bad, but their offense has looked abysmal through the first two games. I don't care how good OBJ is or whether he's healthy or not. He's getting healthier, I understand, but... Here's a bold prediction. The Eagles will have at least 22 actual rushes by the running backs, and the Birds will win the game relatively easily, 31-13. Okay, here we go. I'm going the other way because the Deadskins have to get something together. So this is the week they're going to have to do it. I'm going to go Redskins at home. Uh, Dallas at Arizona, I really want to pick Arizona, but I think Dallas will bounce back and uh, – I'm going to take the Cowboys there, and I'm certainly going to take the Eagles against the Giants, but I'm going to go a little different than both of you guys. Uh, This is still an NFC East matchup. It's not going to be a blowout. I think the Eagles will win, but I'm going 27-21 birds in a much closer game than one might think. Uh, Just enough time for everyone to complain about Peterson if it's that close. (laughs) Well, there you go. A win is a win. All right, Fred, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Fred. Hey, let's take a break now. Allow me to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, a terrific menu in terms of both food and beer and an all-around great atmosphere. The bands are back at the Rover on the weekend. This Saturday night, the 23rd, it's Karma Train. And don't forget, on the 30th, this great Irish pub goes German for one day anyway. Yep, Oktoberfest takes place 11 to 6 on Saturday the 30th as the Irish Rover turns its patio into a beer garden complete with German food, beer music, and Steinhoistein. No cover. <laughs> and as an added bonus, I will be there. So join me, the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. There you go, Bill. All right. Well, hey, Chet. Let's welcome our special guest tonight, former Philadelphia Eagles and Philadelphia Stars tight end and presently publisher of Jersey Man Magazine, Ken Dunnick. Ken, welcome back. Hey, guys. How are you? Nice to be here. Hey, Ken. Fantastic. Ken, it is great to have you back on with us. Uh, We'll talk about Jersey Man in just a bit, but we've, of course, got some Eagles issues to tackle first. Bill and I were discussing this earlier, but... What do you make of the fact that the Eagles this past Sunday in a tight game went with 56 called pass plays and just 13 rushes by the running backs? Well, listen, there's no question I'm old school. I believe you uh, you use the run to set up the pass. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be a big surprise because Doug Peterson is an Andy Reid disciple, and Andy Reid uh, kind of believes the opposite. He likes to pass first and run second, even though he did a pretty good job of running the ball last Sunday against the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, the Eagles should use the run more, uh, you know, um, gouge them up front and uh, soften them up a little bit, and that opens it up for the play-action pass. So I'm with you guys. I think uh, the run game should be more of an emphasis for the Eagles team. Well, speaking of those running backs, is LeGarrette Blunt washed up, or do you think we'll see him getting his number called a little bit more often this weekend? Well, listen, he's never been a big guy to run outside the tackles. He's always been more of a power runner. And, you know, when you run between the tackles, you've got to have not only an emphasis on the run, but you've got to have the guys up front that are committed to doing that. And the Eagles, as an offensive unit, don't look like they're committed to the run. So, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you want to run outside the tackles, I would go with – Clements or Smallwood or or one of the other running backs, and certainly Sproles showed that he could run outside the tackles pretty versatile. But Blount is is a guy that 
he's going to pick you up those, you know, two or three tough yards, but he's not a guy that's going to break a long run. Well, Ken, you, you've been part of many of these NFL games and, and also with the Stars, professional football games, and there's been situations, I'm sure, where you've had a guy on your team, and in, in this case uh, an offensive lineman, who was just having a rough day and getting getting beat up pretty bad. Uh, it's not normal for coaches to yank guys in the middle of the game at the professional level. Is that a situation where the coach just kind of has to you know, bite the bullet, or is he hamstrung by the fact that he's only got seven offensive linemen dressed to begin with? It's really hard to know unless you're, you know, involved in the day-to-day operations of the Eagles. But, you know, from from a layman's view, from a guy that's outside that's looking in, you know, to me they have some guys with some depth there. I think Wisniewski's a guy that you could fill in at one of those inside uh, lineman positions. So, um, again, it's a question of philosophy. You've got to commit to the run. You've got to be a hard-nosed football team. You've got to, you know, uh, just kind of grind it out. And right now the Eagles don't look like they're that committed to doing that. But it's a long season. We're only two games in. Ken, one of my concerns is that Carson Wentz, you know, dropping back as often as he has been, is going to take a beating and risk injury if this pass-happy play calling continues. Well, there's no question that the lack of – the offensive line protecting the quarterback has affected his ability to throw the ball down the field. His percentages of passes over 20 yards is uh, very below normal where he's fairly accurate when you've got the uh, five to 15 yard routes. So in order for Wentz to progress as a quarterback, you've got to make sure he's protected. And if he's protected, I think he's got the skills to throw the ball down the field, but right now that's not happening. Is that the biggest concern right now, the fact that the offensive line isn't playing as well as we thought it would? I would I would say it's one of the biggest concerns. My other biggest concern is the lack of depth in the secondary. You know, they're getting nicked here by injuries, uh, Darby being down and a couple of the other uh, defensive backs being hurt, and there wasn't a, a great deal of depth there to begin with. So I would say my two greatest concerns with the Eagles right now lack of a running game, and the depth in the defensive backfield. Hey, Ken, I saw some comments from Tony Dungy and Kurt Warner. Actually, Kurt Warner started it, and Dungy and and Trent Dilfer were all involved in this. And they were talking about the product of the National Football League right now and and how it seems to be going down. And, And Dungy's comment was more on the fact that because of the collective bargaining and those sort of things, you guys don't practice like they used to, and they don't have as you know the coaches don't have as much time with them, and they're sitting out preseason games and this and that. You you buy into that, and do you think the pro, the product is actually going down? Well, listen, there's no question about it. When my rookie year in 1980, we practiced seven weeks and we went two to three times a day every day, full pad practices every day. We didn't have a day off. Uh, until 19 days into uh, preseason. So there was a toughness that was initiated in those uh, very difficult Vermeil practices that made us a a hard-nosed team, made us a good running team. And that just – there's a lack of that today, and it has to do with the collective bargaining agreement. I'm not exactly sure how many times these guys are allowed to hit, but – it's certainly uh, not as near as much as it was back in the day when I played. So I think that has something to do with it. I think the fact that the coaches and ownership, they want to hold out their star players uh, a lot in the preseason because they don't want to risk injury. You know, also, you know, we, we played our starters almost all of the game for four preseason games. Now we hit the regular season ready to play. And that's just not the way it is in today's NFL. So it's going to take time for these guys to get acclimated to game speed, get acclimated to full contact. And, uh, you know, again, we're only two games into the season. They just haven't had the reps, the full contact reps that it takes to make them an efficient football team, especially on the offensive side. 
Hey, in your Jersey Man Eagles season preview piece written by our pal Mark Eckel, incidentally, it was pointed out that tight end Zach Ertz's numbers over his first four seasons are almost identical to those of the Cowboys' Jason Witten, who then broke through big time in his fifth season. As a former tight end yourself, Ken, do you see Ertz becoming one of the game's great go-to guys? I love Ertz. I mean, hey, listen, I wore it only for one season, but I wore number 86, and Ertz has that number, so... I always told my kids, you know, that guy stole my number, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, Ertz is a very talented kid. He he's a he's a very astute route runner. He's got great hands. And the one thing I was impressed about after the game was he complained about the lack of a running game for the Eagles because he realizes yeah. that an efficient running game will open up the passing game. So, you know, Ertz is a real jewel in the Eagles' offense, and I hope they continue to utilize him. Hey, Ken, the, the Philly faithful, who you're familiar with, you've, you've been around here for many, many years now, uh, they're a tough bunch. And uh, there's guys that are really just kind of crucified Doug Peterson after a year and two and two games, and he's one and one. He's, he's not doing too bad. Uh, how, how do you feel about Doug and how this thing is going at this point? Well, I'll say this. I mean, I've met Doug Peterson on several occasions. He's one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. Now, you can call into question the fact that was he qualified to be a head coach? And I think the school is out on that. I think from an Eagle standpoint, there were probably more qualified people that you could have brought into the Eagles to be the head coach. But having said that, you know, how long do the, does the fan base want to wait? How long do they want to let a guy grow into the job? You know, after uh, our last championship was 1960. So we're looking at 57 years without an, uh, an NFL championship, whether, whether it was a championship or a Super Bowl. So I do think that the patience is wearing thin. Nobody knows this better than me because I'm a Chicago native and I waited for the Cubs to win a World Series for 108 years. So I understand the frustration that, that comes with waiting for a championship. But, you know, the Eagles, I guess, felt comfortable with Doug. He was an Andy Reid disciple. Um, they, were, they felt comfortable with his philosophy. And as a fan base, uh, that's their decision. And we're just going to have to wait to see if Doug Peterson can progress as a head coach and develop a team that's going to be a championship team. Hey, one thing working in the Eagles' corner right now in terms of the season, the Cowboys, Giants, and Redskins, I mentioned this to Bill earlier, they all seem to have flaws or you know some degree of disarray at this point. So this is a division that is there for the taking. Um, do you think the Eagles can win the division? You know, I, 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 would, I would have said no two weeks ago, but as I look at the Giants, who have definite deficiencies in their offensive line, I think the Redskins are a little bit of a mess themselves. They've lost a lot of key, uh, you know, wide receivers. When you look at losing Jackson, they're looking at losing uh, Garcon. So, no, they're in a rebuild mode. I don't think Dallas uh, is as strong of a team as they were last year. There seems to be a lot of distractions in Dallas. So. You know, the Eagles uh, do unbelievably, I think, have a chance to be competitive in the NFC East, and it would not shock me if they were there at the end to, to win that thing. Hey, Ken, I know you're a real sports fan besides uh, an Eagles fan. What do you think of the excitement that that Reese Hoskins has brought to the Phils here in September? Well, hey, listen <laughs> – I was I was at a, a game where uh, Hoskins hit a home run, and, you know, I, I mentioned to the people that were with me, this guy reminds me of Robert Redford in the natural. I mean, he's a kid that comes <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere and just is blasting the ball all over the place. And, you know, you you got to wonder why they didn't call him up sooner um, if, if the kid is that talented. I can, I can understand why you wouldn't want to call a guy up earlier in the year because it would cost you a year of arbitration, but – if a kid's that talented, you got to get him in the lineup somehow. So, uh, you know, Hoskins is an exciting player. He certainly looks like he's got a great future, and hopefully he can be a, a cornerstone for the Phillies to build upon in the years to come. Yep, he's exciting, that's for sure. Hey, Ken, we want to talk about Jersey Man. Uh, we've seen a lot of changes in the publishing world with newspapers continuing to lay off or downsize 
They're raising prices at the same time, adding paywalls to their online offerings. How does this affect you at Jersey, Mag- Jersey Man Magazine, and how are things going there? Well, we're doing extremely well. It's kind of funny. We, um, we kind of bucked the trend as far as print is concerned. We launched this thing in 2010, which was a terrible time to launch a print publication. I mean, <laughs> the economy was still reeling, and people were looking to pull back their ad budgets. But we thought it was unique enough in the marketplace. There was no other men's magazine available. And our, our back-end plan was to develop a business network, so we have these private parties every month. And if you're not an advertiser, you can buy into access to these parties as a legacy club member. And the the networking aspect and, uh, and our advertising have created kind of a, a dual model as far as the business is concerned. And we have almost 300 members in our legacy club, and uh, they attend these parties once a month along with our advertisers. And that's a pay-for-play deal. So the combination of our networking and our magazine has made us a successful business model. And you know, we've got some great writers. We've got the Bill Lyons and the George Anastasias of the world that, you know, have great panache and uh, are well-known in literary circles. And uh, because of that, uh, people seem to love the magazine. And we're doing well as a business. And knock on wood, we'll continue to do well here in the near future. Great. Now, now does it does it help you uh, that some of these good writers in the Philadelphia newspaper business are coming free? Are they Are you able to gobble up them, uh, maybe not as full-time, but as contributing writers as well? No, no. Everything we do, uh, all the writers are at 1099, and actually the, the, the pool for their uh, writing opportunities is shrinking, so we can get them at a reasonable rate, and their name value adds a lot of credibility to our brand. So, you know, when, when we get guys like George Anastasia and, and Bill Lyon and Sam Carcitti and, of course, uh, the late Stan Hockman wrote for us, uh, in the past, and a lot of these guys have you know, a following, and they're well-known, and it really helps us as a business. And by the way, Ken, I noticed you gave yourself the assignment of interviewing Channel 3 Traffic Lady and Daily News Sexy Single, Misha Johnson. That You're no tough, dummy. That was tough duty, man. Come on. Somebody, <laughs> had, to, somebody had to do it, right? I looked at the no, file. Uh, I said, oh, Ken took that one. Nice, nice. She, she, She's a beautiful girl, and she's amazing. I mean, yeah. uh, she's a really down-to-earth person, and she's got a great social media following. And actually, she's going to MC our gala on November 2nd. So if anybody wants to meet Misha Johnson personally, forget about me, but if you want to meet Misha Johnson, you need to buy a ticket to our gala on November 2nd, and those are available on our website at jerseymanmagazine.com. I may have to Talk check that out. Talk in the it, Ken? <laughs> nice piece recently also, Ken, by your daughter, I believe, on uh, taking a surfing lesson down in Summers Point. Yeah, Alexandra, who is our fitness writer, she's one of my triplets. I have four daughters, three of whom work for the magazine. And Alex uh, did a little surfing try uh, in the last issue, and she was able to stay up through a couple of waves, which is really tough to do. I I tried to water ski, and that's tough enough, but the surfing aspect was something that she gravitated to and people seem to enjoy that article. And I'm, I'm very proud that three of my four daughters are involved in the magazine. Very good. Well, Ken, Hey, we're just about out of time. Can you go ahead and uh, give a, give a plug on where the listeners can go to get the magazine and, uh, and get all the information? Absolutely. Subscriptions are only $20 a year and they're available at jerseymanmagazine.com. And you can email me at Ken at JerseyManMagazine.com if you ever want to attend one of our private parties and network your business and see if it's a fit for you. I'm more than happy to have anyone as my guest. We've got a couple of great events coming up at Chickas and Pete's in South Philly and Tropicana, Atlantic City. So if anyone's interested, just shoot me an email, Ken at JerseyManMagazine.com. Hey, Ken, this Sunday, Giants, Eagles, who you got? Well, you know, as I look at it, I think that the uh, it's a good spot for the Eagles, and I notice they're about a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite, and those uh, guys that set the odds know a lot more than I do. So I think the Eagles should have a good day. Um, the Giants will be a little desperate, and that always concerns me, but I think their lack of offensive line play 
will help the Eagles uh, gain a victory this Sunday, at least I'm hoping so. Me too. All right. Okay, Ken, thanks for joining us uh, again. It's been great having you, and hope we can do it again. Hey, great to be with you guys. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks. Thanks, Ken. Hey, Bill, before we continue, I I got a little song for you, okay? A little song for you. So listen, uh, we have a minute or two right here. Before we continue, just tell us basically, you know, how you survived Irma. How how crazy was that? How scary was it? Well, I tell you what, we probably knew that that hurricane was out there in our local news probably a week before you did, you know, on national news. Um, so the preparation started early, and, and it got kind of crazy. Um, everybody, everybody going for all the water they could get. They were filling up gas cans like crazy. And there was a bit of a panic, honestly. Um, oh, yeah. I think 7 million, 7 million people left the state out of 22 million. And I-95 and I-75 were just jam-packed. And, and it, it got to be a bit crazy, really. And like I say, very stressful. And for us, as we watched the storm come up, and, and we were in a good place here in the middle of the state, and then as it went around and ended up going across the Keys, and all of a sudden it popped itself on land and started heading right for us. So we took the eye of the storm here in, in central Florida, and Lakeland actually took the eye at 100-mile-an-hour winds, and uh, we probably had 12 inches of rain, and the winds just would not stop. It was like a train coming through. And uh, fortunately, the good thing is the houses are in pretty good shape. A lot of trees are down. Power was out. But most people were healthy and uh, and safe, and that was the real good thing. And you didn't have too much jam- damage beyond that large tree in your driveway? We have, well, we had a, a big tree in the backyard that went down and knocked some fence over, and uh, and the tree in the front that was actually the neighbors that came across our driveway. Um, other than that, we just had a gigantic mess that actually took uh, about four days of eight to ten hour days just cleaning up our yard of all the crap that came out of the trees. Um, it was it was a monster cleanup job around here. So. Uh, and we were without power for about 18 hours, which was really good. Um, some of our friends, Adam Ujessic, who I know listens to our show, he was without power for probably about six days, uh, finally got back on on Sunday. It, it was a real challenge for some people. Well, glad all you guys came out of there safely and uh, with just minimal damage, so that was great to hear. Well, I appreciate it. And I, I will tell you what I think is a funny story. Uh, at one of the games – uh, I don't know who they were. Was it the Dolphins or the Miami Hurricanes or who it was? They played that. Oh, it was the Marlins game. The Braves at the the Marlins at the Braves, and the Braves played that "Rock Me Like a Hurricane" song, and people yeah. actually complained, and they had to they had to apologize. <laughs> are you kidding me, Chet? Yeah, people are so sensitive now. You know. <laughs> oh my goodness, I I had Crazy. a laugh. Uh, and they said, and the Braves said that's on like their playlist. They play it every night on at the seventh yeah, inning yeah. or whenever they do it. And uh, so they just went about their business. Well, people got offended. Lighten up, people. Yeah, what's this world coming to? Well, hey, thanks for asking, Chad. And uh, it's good, certainly good to be back. It took us a while to uh, get our TV and internet services back, even after we had power back on. We couldn't get our, you know, our utility type services. So, but we're back in business. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's thank uh, all of our listeners again and uh, our visitors to our website, Philly Press Box Radio. We did pass that 20,000 visitor mark we were shooting for and on our relatively new website. We're still a few weeks out from our, our first anniversary. Uh, we ran into some hurricane snags, as I mentioned. We didn't have uh, – weren't able to keep it updated all those days, but we got it back going and uh, – we're, we're pretty excited about that. And you can listen to all our shows and also the Vimeos from our show guests, a list of the websites of our guests, and check out all of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's Like Your Age is there. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their websites. And, hey, don't forget you can order our super cool Philly Press Box Radio polo shirts, which you can check out right now on the website. 
I've extended the deadline for the next batch to this Sunday instead of this past Sunday or Monday. So check them out, and if you're interested, let us know by this Sunday. You can message Bill or me on Facebook, or just click on the Contact Us tab on our Philly Press Box Radio website. And by the way, happy birthday not only to you, because I did that you know, last week for you. You had your birthday over the weekend. But happy birthday, birthday to that Bob Sullivan also. Yeah, Bob Sullivan's birthday is today. Absolutely. And we appreciate Bob's support. He's been with us from the beginning, Chet. Yes, he has. Thank you, Bob. All right. Hey, Chet, we've been, uh, you've been on a roll with guests, great guests. So uh, tell us who's coming to visit Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday. Well, this could change because it's not a definite as yet on the part of our guest in terms of his schedule, but I'm optimistic. If all goes well, we will have another of our old favorites. He's been here several times and can talk about all things on the Philly sports scene. He was a Sixers beat reporter for a lot of years, but no more. That has just changed recently. He's now a columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times and other area publications. It is our pal Tom Moore. So if all goes well, Tom will be with us next Wednesday. Very nice. Looking forward to hearing to Tom. He he does cover it all and uh, certainly has a lot of good Sixers insight. That would be fun to, to talk yes, to him indeed. as well. Hey, Chet, this weekend, uh, September 22nd through 24th at Valley Forge Casino, the, the Philly Sports Card and Memorabilia Show is going to be a monster show uh, this year or this time around. The present Eagles are going to be there on Friday night. Of course, Matt McGloin uh, is not a current Eagle, but he'll be there. Penn State quarterback, Alshon Jeffries, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Elijah Qualls, Wendell Smallwood. They're all going to be there on Friday night. Uh, And then on Saturday, the Penn State running backs is going to be a great bunch. Tony Hunt, uh, Curtis Enos. Evan Royster, Blair Thomas, uh, DJ Dozier, Lydell Mitchell, Lenny Moore. What What a great batch of those guys and then all the uh Vermeil eagles are going to be there including the linebackers will be there and our buddy switz got herman edwards coming in town for a very rare appearance uh switz behind that and and our buddy bill bradley will also be there on saturday so that's really cool as will that roy doc holiday be there on saturday from the phils and pat gillick and then on sunday a bunch of the old timer phillies bobby wine and those kind of guys We'll be there on Sunday. So it is going to be loaded all weekend. It's going to be a fun time uh, for Philly sports fans. Yeah, I'm going to try to get there Saturday. I don't know for sure if I can, but I'm going to try my best to get there Saturday afternoon. You uh, you want to see that Bill Bradley, I think, aren't you? I would love to see Bill again. He's a, he's a lot of fun. Yes, he is. All right, Chet, uh, we are right on schedule. Parting shot for you, sir. Yep. My alma mater, Penn State, is off to an impressive 3-0 and start this season, ranked number four in the country. It's great to see them back among the nation's prominent college football teams again. It really is. But I didn't like what happened at Beaver Stadium at the end of Saturday night's route of not-so-mighty Georgia State. You may have tuned out by then. A 56 nothing score will do that. But with 11 seconds on the clock, Georgia State lined up for a field goal attempt that would have gotten them on the scoreboard. Except that Nittany Lions head coach James Franklin called a timeout. Yes, a timeout in a 56 nothing game with 11 seconds left. Now, I'll believe the coach when he tells us he didn't do it to try to ice kicker Brandon Wright. As Franklin explained it, it was because he had his fourth team defense on the field and wanted to get his second team block unit in there. Really? Come on, coach. I know what you said. The situation, the element should not affect how we do things. It's their job to try to score. It's our job to try to stop them. Well, fine, Coach Franklin. Congratulations. Wright did miss that 31-yard attempt, and you got that shutout that was apparently quite important to you. In my opinion, though, it was a classless move. Now go beat Iowa. (laughs) Very good, Mr. Chesko. All right, here's my parting shot for tonight, Chet. About 18 months ago, the city of Philadelphia sports scene seemed doomed, and fans were thinking we could never win again. Then the youth, youth movement started with Joel Embiid. Carson Wentz became the new sheriff in town. Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov arrived as teenagers to the Flyers, and now the cherry on top is Nick Williams, Jorge Alfaro, and Reese Hopkins, Hoskins, breathing late-season life into the Phillies. Things are looking up, and not just a little bit. There's excitement around the Eagles. Despite this week's loss, they certainly have a chance to win the East. 
The Sixers and Flyers are getting even younger with Ben, ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. And the Flyers with another teenager, Nolan Patrick, both have playoff aspirations. A few off-season moves by the Phillies and the expectations will continue to grow. We have young stars in this city that have brought back high hopes for all of our teams. Buy your favorite player jersey. Sit back, relax, and cheer like crazy for our teams. It's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Mr. Chesco, we are about to wrap it up, so let's thank our guests, Ken Dunnick, Fred Hugo, and Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan. Chet, next Wednesday, September 27th at 7 p.m., phillypressboxradio.com. All righty. Have a good night. Have a good weekend, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.